This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, Dr. Squatch, and by the Sins in Law Group. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, sad friends and well-wishers. <laughs> this is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, of course, as always, is the one, the only, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score of the I'm Fat Podcast, and I believe a cover star of a local newspaper this weekend. Is that true, Jay Zawoski? Did I see you on the cover? Was it the Daily Herald or the Southtown? What was that? Uh, the Daily Southtown. This is actually a true uh, thing that you're saying about me in this in this show. I had uh, to give you some dap for it. Yeah, Rick Rick Camp and I on the cover of the uh, Southtown, which is, runs. You know, it's like the South Burbs newspaper that everybody gets to see and everybody enjoys. And uh, they asked me probably about a week and a half ago to do this interview about the I'm Fat podcast. I'm like, yeah, sure, of course. Like, any publicity is great. You know, we've done a couple about the Madhouse before, too. So I do this, and then I write the guy, Bill, who wrote the article. I'm like, hey, when's this going to run? He's like, you know, I'm not really sure. It's kind of up to my editors, um, but we'll let you know. And then he's like, oh, hey, here's the story. Sent me a link. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Then my cousin sends me a picture, and it's the front page of the main section of the paper, (laughs) which is just dumb. There's no... No re no no need for that to Is it really that slow of a news day? I mean, no offense, Jay. <laughs> I know. But no, I agree like, with I, you. I, I don't know, man. I thought and it was a big it's not like it was just like a little like, you know, eighth of a corner of the page. No, man. This was like the cover story, man. It was a giant picture and I had to go into the gas station to buy a couple because I want to get one for Rick. And then I'll I have a framed article of our Madhouse article. I wanted to probably do the same for I'm fat. So I had to go buy a couple, but yeah, it was it was very awkward to buy the paper with me on it. Fortunately, my hair is all grown out, and I was wearing a mask, so no <laughs> one made the connection that that was me. But yeah, it was weird. Anyway, you don't care. That's not why you called. Thanks for joining us on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Email us madhousepod at gmail dot com. We're on Twitter at madhousepod, Instagram madhouse underscore pod. We're on Facebook. Look us up. You'll find us. And visit our merchandise shop madhousepodmerch dot com, powered by our friends at Triple Threat Sports. So. James, the Blackhawks played two days in a row and uh, save for a few moments of brilliance from Alex to Brinkett and a really nice moment from Kirby Doc on Saturday. Uh, probably about 120 minutes of absolute crap, in my opinion. And, and I know, you know, we always say we're going to be positive and give the benefit of the doubt, but we just got done praising them for how well they played against Florida, how organized they looked, how on top of things they were. This was a total regression. And we know they're capable of playing better than they did. So we're allowed to call that out. And they deserve it. They played like ass the last two games. I'm not afraid to say it. 
Okay, so obviously there was a ton that happened this weekend that we are going to get to. But on the first day, I took a couple of pages of uh, notes, these two games. The first topic on my list of topics that I wanted to get to tonight was kind of an overview of where this leaves the Blackhawks because I think it's really important to do that as we kind of approach the trade deadline. With the two losses this weekend to Nashville, the Blackhawks are now tied for fourth in the division with Nashville, and I believe Nashville has the tiebreaker. So if the season ended today, the Blackhawks would not be in the playoffs. So that was what was at stake this weekend. The Blackhawks lost both games, didn't get a single point against the Predators. I believe the the Predators have won, I think I saw that on the postgame, 13 of their last 16 against the Blackhawks. Just utter domination against Chicago recently. So... Predators now ahead of the Blackhawks in the standings. It, it's just not not a great place for the Blackhawks to be in. Honestly, a lot of this, I can take the Blackhawks kind of getting outplayed because they're still a young team. They're still a team kind of trying to find its identity. They are a rebuilding team as we've you know kind of put in air quotes throughout the season. A lot of the mistakes, a lot of the reason the Blackhawks lost these two games was a lot of self-inflicted, completely nonsensical, and frankly, occasionally stupid turnovers and bad plays. And the dude cannot abide by that. That was, it was <laughs> not it was not a pleasant experience to watch it. Just the Blackhawks shoot themselves in the put, foot repeatedly. Just a rough weekend outside of, like you said, a couple of really nice moments of Alex Dubrincic brilliance and goodness and, oh, yes, the cho- the return of the chosen one of Kirby Doc to the mix. Well, we're going to get into the Kirby Doc thing, but we got to do this game first because, like you said, no excuse for being outworked. If you're the team that's the scrappy and you're surprising people and you know you have to play harder than your opponents have a chance – they weren't doing that. And you had guys on the team-owned broadcast saying so, right? You heard uh, Steve Conroy say it. You heard Jamal Mayer say it. I think I heard Eddie O say it, that they're just getting outworked. That's unacceptable. That mm-hmm. that can't happen, especially when these games are, like you said, and you outlined so brilliantly, so meaningful. These are huge, huge games. I saw Nashville's Twitter saying, huge game tonight. They knew. They were ready, and you got the last 10. You mentioned how good Nashville's been playing. Nashville 7-3-0 in their last 10, including five wins in a row. The Hawks, total opposite, 3-7-0 in their last 10. And yes, a lot of those were against Florida, and a lot of those were against Tampa. But when you start to play the Nashvilles of the world, those are games you have to win, and the Hawks absolutely flopped this entire weekend, and it was really bad. I Look, Nashville had Jeremy Cowton's system sniffed out perfectly yep that how many times did you see nashville deny the uh what does foley call it the send them back pass or whatever on the power play the slingshot sort of a thing where they take it up to the neutral zone then fling it back to the guy in full speed heading up the middle of the ice nashville's had a defenseman there yep like no single time so where's the adjustment where's the adjustment and look we've we i think you and i have done a good job a fair job of giving Jeremy Cowton some credit for this team being as competitive as they are. But after, you know, two games of that, and really they've sucked against Nashville all year, where are the in-game adjustments? I don't see them. They weren't happening. And Nashville, they Cowton was greatly outcoached in this series. There's no doubt about it. 
And and I think the thing that annoys me uh, a lot about the being outworked thing is you kind of alluded to Nashville's defense kind of figuring out the Blackhawks. There were times both last night and tonight where the Blackhawks could not get the puck through the neutral zone at all. They tried a few different things here and there, but usually it was that little drop back pass to the guy with the full head of steam coming up the ice to kind of let him knife through everything. The Predators just, they gummed up the middle of the ice. They were 1990s devils like level of annoying in the middle of the ice during this entire two game series. And if that's the case, you end up having to try different things, which the Blackhawks did not do on a regular basis. And when they did, they were getting outworked in the corners constantly. You cannot have that. If you're going to have to get to dirty areas to even get the puck into the offensive zone, you have to be able to go in and win those puck battles. And more often than not, the Blackhawks surrendered those battles before they were even fought. It was not something we've seen a lot of from them this season. We've seen the Blackhawks play with a lot of energy and a lot of I hate to use the term sandpaper and grit, but kind of applies to what the Blackhawks have been doing. They did not show enough of that this weekend, and Nashville outcoached them, outplayed them, outhustled them. It was just overall a fantastic statement for Nashville that they mean business in terms of getting into the playoffs and the Central and the Discover Card Central Division. Thank you. Sorry, thank you. Caught myself. They they showed they meant business and that they really want to get into that top four. And they honestly, over the last probably eight or nine games, Nashville was talking about selling, stripping off some parts and getting rid of them and kind of trying to see where they were at. And instead, now they could be buyers and they were playing without their best offensive player tonight. It's just it's, it's an unreal testament to how well Nashville played. And I know we're being very effusive in our praise of them, but. You can't give them enough credit. They came into Chicago and did exactly what they needed to do. Yep, they controlled things from start to finish. And I think another thing, kind of a bigger picture thing, that this game exposed was the Hawks' overall lack of speed. Nashville was blowing by them. And by no means is Nashville an offensive juggernaut. They're they not, never have been. No, they never have been. They Well, they maybe they will be someday, but they haven't been throughout their existence. But look, for the, all the youth the Hawks have, they're still not very fast. And and you saw that, you know, they were you mentioned losing battles in corners. They were getting beat to corners, right? Mm-hmm. And part of that is effort for sure. Part of it too is just the ability to get there faster than your opponent. And a lot of the Blackhawks players lack that. I, I gotta talk about and I know we're starting off negative here, and I promise there will be some positivity here. Uh the the combination of Dahan and Bodan oh, was absolutely absolutely brutal. Uh, I'm pulling it up right here. I haven't looked yet. Uh, yes, n- not surprisingly, they were the low two in uh, possession uh, on this night, as Pat Boyle likes to say. 28% <laughs> for Calvin DeHaan, 30% Corsi for Nicholas Bodin. Uh, third lowest. Not surprising on- when two of the goals basically were caused by Calvin DeHaan's skates. Yeah. So and neither one of them benefited Chicago. No, not at all. No. And and by the way, third on that list, Kirby Doc. Uh, thirty-eight seventy-one was his percentage, but we're going to get into him individually in a little bit. I just look; I can't see that pairing anymore. It's not working. And, and when we talk about adjustments, that's something that Jeremy Calton has to identify. And I understand that you want to put Calvin DeHaan, who is a reliable veteran, air quote reliable veteran, <laughs> out there with the the kid who's you know wet behind the ears and all that stuff, but. It was a disaster. Like both of them, they could not get the puck 
out of the zone ever mm-hmm. when they had the opportunity. Ever. It just felt like, oh my God, every shift these guys have is, you know, a minute and a half, two minutes. And that's that's that has long term effects on the entire game. Especially when you're playing back to back games. Yes. And everyone is exhausted. And it's oh man, that was just that pairing was killing me and uh I don't know. I, I don't need to see it again. And I was we didn't mention, by the way, because we haven't done a podcast where they played back to back, uh Ian Mitchell sent down. And I don't think that's a long term thing, but I I was sort of surprised. I didn't think we would see that that's this season, but as Sam Bowman told us and everybody else uh, this offseason, getting sent down is not necessarily a sign that things are going poorly. It's about playing in every situation, playing more minutes, those sort of things. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens next with Mitchell. But he right now is with Rockford. It does seem like they probably want to give Bodan some extended run. And I feel like the only way that you can reasonably do that and not hamper Ian Mitchell's uh, development is probably to send him down and to keep him playing. I think that's probably that's about the extent of it, at least from my perspective. I don't think there was anything uh, specific that the Blackhawks wanted Ian Mitchell to work on in the minor leagues. I just think that it was simply a matter of keeping him on the ice and keeping him playing while still giving Nicholas Bodan that opportunity to kind of have a little bit of an extended run. I did want to uh, piggyback off of your point a little bit. You had mentioned the just abysmal pairing of Dahan and Bodan. You know the pairing that's been the best for the Blackhawks possession-wise the last two nights? I do. It's been Zadorov and, and Murphy. Murphy. And I have this. Ha- the first thing on my notes, James, is the name Zadorov. Because I think over the last five or six games, he's not only played, without a doubt, his best hockey is a Hawk. Mm-hmm. He might have been the best Hawks defenseman. I and I it's hard for me like with how much we've kind of questioned him this season and criticized him this season he features very prominently in my notes as well and he obviously has been acing the eye test the last couple of games Zadorov is really kind of finding a groove here and I'm wondering how are you going to address that issue with the Dahan and Bodan pairing without breaking up Zadorov and Murphy, that's going to be really difficult. And I'm sure Jeremy Colleton is going to kind of lose some sleep over that decision because that's going to be a tough one. I think you just have to shelter as much as you can. Um, I'm looking at the five-on-five numbers. I don't know if this is right, but Kelvin Hahn, 12.51 of ice time? Does that look right to you? Yeah, because 14.07 in the game total, they're just going to have to shelter those two. And that's not ideal when you've got Bodan on the team and you want these kids to play. It's Bodan, not ideal when it's Calvin frickin' DeHaan no. who's supposed to be one of your veteran guys. It's just, I know he's not old, Calvin DeHaan, but he's got a lot of miles on him. He's got a lot of injuries on him. And, I mean, to me, when you look at this logjam of young defensemen they have, prime candidate to be moved. I don't know if anybody wants him. It might be a situation where they have to eat salary, or they, you know, like we've talked about for the last few weeks, if they take on a bad contract, you got to say, well, we'll take on this bad one. You got to take this one back for us or right. something like that. But I, I just, I like Kelvin Hahn's a great dude and he's a good hockey player. But right now he's just not, he just doesn't have it. And I, I think if you you know, were to get him over a beer or whatever, uh, one of his own beers, he makes his own beer. Um, he would probably say like, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing great right now. And part of that is the partner, right? You've got to worry. Sure. You've got to kind of play babysitter. But, man, when I watch those two out there, to me, I'm more concerned about what I'm seeing from Dahan than Bodan. Not, not yeah, that I'm, I'm thrilled with really, Bodan either. 
I'm not liking what Calvin DeHaan is doing. Like you said, yeah, there is an element of babysitting, but he's also been out of position quite a bit, and he's been kind of caught drifting at times too. And I know we can probably point to just about anybody on the Blackhawks right now, the last two games especially, and say that that guy has been struggling. I mean, you can look at the turnover Kirby Doc had tonight that led to a goal. You can look at the turnover David Camp had last night, which he, I think he may have called, didn't he call that like the worst turnover in NHL history or something like that. <laughs> yes. Like I thought I thought I saw somebody like allegedly quote him as saying that. I will acknowledge it was probably the worst turnover the Blackhawks have had all season. It was real bad. But I like I said, you can point at a lot of different guys on the Blackhawks and say that dude's struggling, that dude's struggling. Calvin DeHaan is a guy they cannot afford to have struggle to the degree that he has been struggling. Yep. And I will give him a little bit of slack based on the fact he does have the youngish defensive partner. He has not acquitted himself well. It's not like he's playing, you know, defensively sound and then trying to cover for Bodan's mistakes. They're both kind of, you know, cats on ice right now, basically just sliding all over the place. Yeah, there, it's. I don't think it's a fair excuse. There, there might be some reality to it. But I don't think that that's a fair excuse for DeHaan. He's just looked bad. He's looked flat out bad. He's struggling. Can he get better? Probably. We've seen him be better than he is right now. But he's really struggling right now. And mm-hmm. it's, hurting, it's hurting the team. Like When you have these veteran guys on the team, you need them to be the ones that calm things down when things get chaotic. Instead, aside from Yanmark and, of course, Kane and Keith, like a lot of the veteran guys, I'm kind of like, uh, what's going on here? Like, nah. I, 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 I feel like I trust the kids more, which is a crazy thing to say. Um, but it's just, it's just kind of how it's been lately. And again, we've got to qualify things. They've been up against some really great opponents, back to back games. But to me, just kind of tying a bow on the analysis of this game, the lack of um, urgency, the lack of aggression. Um, the lack of preparedness and the lack of adjustments uh, from this from this team, from coaching staff to players, uh, is incredibly, incredibly frustrating to watch. And I'm glad we could sort of wash our hands of it and move on to the next thing because that was real bad. I, I you know I you know expected what get so the, much uh, more. I'm I really did too. You know it'll get the taste of that series out of your mouth. Mm. Some fry the coop, I think. All right, I like that. I like where your head's at. I like where your taste buds are at. Go visit our friends at Fry the Coop, Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, and they just opened in Tinley Park. Chances are you've got a Fry the Coop near you. Go to frythecoop.com. Check out their menu. It's the best Nashville hot chicken you'll ever have. Someone asked me on Twitter, what do you recommend? I said, uh, literally everything. <laughs> the menu. The menu. There's nothing <laughs> bad there. So, and, and the guy said, all right, I went there, I ordered, and I loved what I got, and the person I went with loved what they got too. So you were right. Everything's good. It is the best Nashville hot chicken you'll ever have. That includes in Nashville. So frythecoop.com is the website. You can place your order online, then go pick it up from their uh, very, very safe pickup windows. It's awesome. It's fast. The service is great. The food is fresh and hot. Made fresh all the time. Pro tip, make sure you order a side of that spicy honey butter. That is absolutely key. So visit our friends at frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness in Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, and Tinley Park. All right, one more thing I want to mention about this game, James, and sort of this, um, the last little bit overall. Adam Boquist has been playing very well. 
there are still some mistakes, right? There's still those, okay, that maybe shouldn't have made that pass, those sort of learning curve things. But I saw him make a play tonight. Early in the third, yeah, the Preds got a two-on-one. Boquist was the man in the middle between the two defenders, and this has happened to him a lot this season. And he's been the guy sort of breaking up these two-on-ones, which isn't ideal. That means something defensively is breaking down. but <laughs> Especially on a power play. Yeah, tried to br- tried to break up the two-on-one, then had the presence of mind after it, the two-on-one failed, he did the job, turned around, and the puck was sort of bouncing in front again and was able to poke check it away. You're seeing like those little things, while it doesn't look like much, what we talked about with Boquist early in the season was thinking too much, not just playing hockey, not just using your instincts. When you see guys starting to make plays like that, that tells you that the thinking is starting to go away and the reacting is starting to come more. And I really like what I've seen from Boquist over the last little bit. Uh, and offensively, there were a few opportunities that he created on his own. I feel like he could have three or four more goals this year that just maybe hit a post or went just inches wide. I like totally what I'm seeing from Adam Boquist uh, since his return from COVID, but especially over the last handful of games, I really try to focus on him when he's on the ice to get a really good look at him. And it has been very, very encouraging what I've seen from Boquist lately. I think the thing that kind of intrigues me most about Boquist is we can obviously see that with our eyes and you and I have both, you know, conceded time and again that we're maybe not as obviously as, you know, skilled and seasoned of talent evaluators as the Blackhawks coaching staff is. And we kind of, you know, disagree with them on some points. It's pretty clear right now that the Blackhawks coaching staff really likes what they're seeing from Madame Boquist, and all you have to do to look at evidence of that is look at the matchups and look at his time on ice, his deployment. Yes, he played three minutes and 41 seconds of power play time tonight. He was also on the Blackhawks' second penalty killing unit tonight. Yep. Adam frickin' Boquist is out there killing penalties right now. I... This may be a hot take. I'm not sure Uh-oh. about this. Uh-oh. I was waiting. No, waiting I, I haven't heard it yet. I'll come, oh, I I'm was not going to prematurely you blast you, so to is, speak. <laughs> I was going to say, we can come up with a uh, premature hot taculation, I guess we would say call that. No, I'm waiting. Uh, <laughs> I don't mess um, around. They wouldn't have sent down Ian Mitchell if it weren't for the fact that Adam Boquist is playing so well. He... He has locked down some serious trust with Jeremy Collinson right now, and yes, there are still going to be mistakes in his game that he will make from time to time. He's earning some leash from this coaching staff, and I think that we absolutely do need to give him a really good amount of credit for the way he has approached his game since he came back from the COVID list, and he is clearly growing as a player, and the coaching staff sees it, and they are deploying him as such. He had the second most time on ice among blue liners tonight, played almost 22 minutes for the Blackhawks in this game. He is definitely turning some heads in that front office, and I think we're you're absolutely right. You've been – all over Boquist's performance lately. And I got to say, they're in line with what you're seeing, buddy. You're doing a really good job with that. Well, I, I was panicked about him earlier in the year, so I'm very glad that things have turned around. And don't forget, too, down a goal late, he was on the ice with the empty net, too. You're darn right he was. He is their number two defenseman. And, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to make that argument because he's been really effective. I like what I've seen. And remember, we're talking about these mistakes he's going to make. He's going to make. He can't buy a beer yet. He's not even 21. 
I like how you said that as I was taking a swig of beer. That was really effective timing. I just predicted you might be. I know you. I know you pretty well. I know you. <laughs> you pretty know well. exactly. Like as soon as Jay starts to get into a thought, it's like mm, sweet, sweet alcohol. Yum. I'm, I'm glad that I drive you to drink every episode. <laughs> That's wonderful. I was wondering if you were to take that as a compliment or as an insult. I was very curious. A little bit of both. A little bit of both, to be honest with you. But I think uh, that's our relationship in a nutshell. I a little think bit so. Of both. That's accurate. Uh, before we take a quick time out, I want to welcome our newest sponsor, Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. He played four years of D2 college hockey and in his own mind is now the leader of his beer league hockey teams. One is called the Lawyers. Wow. Spent a lot of time naming that team, huh, Kent? Great. Uh, the other one's called Old and in the Way. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's attorney, Kent opened his own firm over 20 years ago. They specialize in all forms of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents involving cars, trucks, motorcycles, bicycle, boats, planes, buses, gyroscopes, old-timey bicycles with the big wheel in the front and the tiny one in back, jet skis, jet packs, roller skates, but not inline skates, and hoverboards, construction accidents, nursing home abuse, medical negligence and birth injuries, slip and fall cases, and injuries as a result of hazardous drugs and products. His firm's results speak for themselves, with millions recovered for their clients. Simpson Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you. Call for a free consultation, 312-332-2107, or go to SimpsonLawGroup.com. That's S-I-N. S-O-N, lawgroup.com. Don't go off sides. Go top shelf. Call now. We'll be right back with a whole lot more of hot hockey takes on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, friends. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We're just rocking out to some tunes here, trying to erase the memories of two straight Blackhawks losses to the Nashville Predators. We mentioned earlier there has been a lot of Blackhawks news this weekend. You've had them get tied in the playoff race by Nashville. You've had Ian Mitchell sent down to Rockford. None of those compare to the thrill and the excitement and honestly kind of the last-minute-ness of what happened last night, which was that Kirby Doc, the chosen one, <laughs> returned to the lineup for the Blackhawks after missing three months with a broken bone in his wrist. He's back on the ice, friends, and Jeremy Colleton has not been hesitating to play him a lot. Played more than 20 minutes in both of the games this weekend. Talk about a guy being thrown immediately into the fire. Kirby Doc is basically right back where he was last season in terms of his deployments. Welcome back, Kirby. It's good to see you, buddy. I had no idea that was happening until I I, tuned, I turned the game on as they were starting to line up for the opening faceoff, and then they didn't mention it when I watched, and I saw him on the ice. I'm like, oh, that's how I found out. Like, there he is. 
He's on the ice. Oh, my God. They sent the press release at 6.29 p.m. yesterday ahead of the 7 o'clock game. I liked how um, how Calton was like, I don't know. We don't really have a timeline. Wink. <laughs> you know, like, come on. Like, the way he was talking, we all knew it was close. Right. You know, but he was he was playing coy like, oh, you never know. Maybe he'll play. I don't know. We don't really have a timeline. It's like, come on. You're Great. Not- we have Jeremy Nagy over here at on West Madison. <laughs> Great. Yeah. But awesome to see him back. Um, Cowan said before he came back, they want to see him have the mindset where he can just run through people. And very easy to see over the first two games that Kirby's had no problem engaging physically, had that incredible rush from end to end, stick handling around. He's, we've seen it so many times, and one of these times he's going to convert on one of these. Uh, but Saros just quickly poke-checked him at the end. And then in this game, physical, getting into corner battles, uh, jumping into uh, the, the fray more than avoiding it. Like what I've seen from him so far, I want to see him generate a little more offense, but remember, this is the first hockey the guys played since the bubble last year. He's had no warm-up time aside from practice. And just think like Carl Soderberg took what, like eight to 10 games mm-hmm. to get to like, okay, I got my legs under me. I'm ready to go. Um, you know, it's going to take Doc a little while to get back at it. But man, there's nothing I've seen from him aside from that turnover, which doesn't concern me. It's just a bad mistake that he probably won't make again. Uh, I think he's he's looked really, really good. He's looked really effective. Uh, so welcome back. I'm welcoming with open arms. Kirby Doc. I hate having to be the wet blanket. Uh-oh. I hate I hate having to be the Debbie Downer. I and I'm not going to blame Kirby for this. This is not his fault. I thought as the game wore on today, I thought he became less and less noticeable in a good way. Felt like he was maybe slowing down just a little bit. I have to put that at the feet of Jeremy Colleton. I don't think that I know he's been skating. He's been doing all this stuff. He's the second year player. You're excited to actually inject some life into this lineup. Look, I get all of it. I also get that double shifting your second year potential future number one center in his second flipping game back from a really serious injury is dumb. Don't do that. Like, I don't like the fact that he played 21 minutes in this game. He was on the ice for every goal against tonight. Again, not blaming him specifically for that. Let's ease him in just a little bit more. Come on, Jeremy. Like, I get it. Kirby Doc is an awesome player. It is fantastic to have him back. But all I could think of every time I saw Kirby Doc on the ice, especially in the third period tonight, was that the dude just needed a breather. Give him a 15-minute game, especially coming off of a game last night where he played over 20 minutes. I think he had the third most time on ice among forwards last night. He was yeah. second in that category tonight. Ease him back in, Jeremy. I know he's the you know fancy new toy that you just want to get out of the box and play with, but take a chill pill, man. Mellow out. I, I see what you're saying, and, and you are right. Like, in the third period, he was not nearly the factory was, um, you know, yesterday or in the first period and a half of this game. And I do think that you're right in saying that, that fatigue has to be a factor here. Like like I just said, the guy's not played in months. You, it's hard to throw him in there and be like, you're our second leading ice time guy among forwards. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he second played, among uh, 20, forwards. Only 21, to 18 tonight. Yeah, of course, Patrick Kane's going to be number one. He's always number one. Yep. Like that. 
Has there been a game recently where Patrick Kane hasn't blatantly been like the number one forward guy in terms of ice time? He's not only the number one forward, he's number one on the team. He That's led the Hawks insane on a team with Duncan Keith on it. Yeah, it was only by what he had an advantage of 25 seconds. So it wasn't like a crazy huge advantage. And a lot of that was power play time. But still, Patrick Kane was the team's ice time leader in this game. Uh, by the way, did you hear the stat that he has more two point games than single point games? Or I'm sorry, more multi point games than single point games. Patrick Kane this season or this overall? season. Okay, I was so, like, that. If for a career, that's like Wayne Gretzky-level craziness. Well, but this season, I can see it. Listen to this. So then they looked up, like, who else is like that? Connor McDavid, this season, has 20 multi-point games and eight single-point games. Oh my God. <laughs> I just wish that dude was more interesting, man. He is so boring. Yeah, he kind of – he's a hockey player, Jay. <sighs> he's an exciting player. Did but you he, see the uh, stat about Alex DeBrincat? Maybe. Four, Remind four me. Four multi-goal games this season. Only one guy in the league has more. Can you name him? Well, I'm going to say Connor McDavid. It is actually Austin Matthews. Oh, pretty good goal scorer there. Yeah, he's, he's all right. He might have a future in this league. Do you know, know how many goals Adam Boquist has? If it, just This okay, season? Yeah, don't answer it. I want the people listening to just think about it for a second. How many goals does Alex DeBrincat have right now? Okay, you can answer now. Is he at 18? 18 goals in 36 games. Boom! That's that's good. That's really good. Yeah, that's like a 40-goal pace in a regular season. I'm so happy to see DeBrinkit back to this effective of a scorer. Also hasn't played in all of their games. I would also like to point that out. Oh, you're right. He missed a ton of games. Nah, not a ton. Well, he, he missed, missed like six or seven, right? I don't know if it was that many. I thought it was like three or four. To the internet. Yeah, go look it up. But this is, see, I guessed I guessed right on the goal total. So now I'm drunk with power and I'm just gonna start throwing out predictions. He missed this five is, games, thirty one oh, games. Oh, I was played. so close. And he's over a point per game player, too. Thirty three goals. Uh actually now he's got uh thirty five points in thirty two games. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but it's not just the scoring now, right? It's the the whole thing. DeBrinket has become uh, a complete hockey player, as much as a guy who's 5'7", 165 can be. Right. And he's only 23. I know. It feels like he's been part of this team for an eternity, doesn't I mean, it? It's, <laughs> it's his fourth season in the league. By the way, DeBrinket tonight passed Patrick Kane for most goals in your first four seasons of your career with the Blackhawks. He passed Patrick Kane tonight. Can you name the three players that are still ahead of him on that list? Give me the stat again. It is the most goals in a player's first four career seasons with the Blackhawks. Uh, Ronick. Correct. Number two on the list, by the way. I'm going to say... Uh, I'll say Savard. Number one. Okay. I, the obvious three. one would be Bobby Hull, but I don't think that's right. It's too it obvious. It's not Bobby Hull. Okay. Give me an era. Current. Oh. Taves? Yes. Wow. Jonathan Taves, third place on that list. Uh, DeBrin get past Patrick Kane tonight for fourth. So we've given you a couple of really good nuggets about Alex DeBrincat to impress your friends with. I <laughs> just gave them to you. Enjoy it. And I'm going to give you, you know what? I'm not going to give you a nugget here. I'm going to give you a take. Ooh. And I want to, uh -oh. I want to know what Hang you on. think of I this take. Cue it up. Hang on. Don't, don't do any takes without me. Okay. 
Alex DeBrincat, his goal tonight from the left faceoff circle. He scored several of them like that this season. You know who's you know who he's really reminding me of a lot lately. I think you're going to say Artemi Panarin. Close, very mm. close. I think I think Panarin was a little bit more exploitive in that area. Patrick Sharp. Okay. You think you can get behind that comparison? Is that a is that a good one? I need to know from the public. I I see a lot of Patrick Sharp in that element of DeBrincat's game, especially. Hmm. Just finding himself into the open ice and then burying the shot when he has to. You know what? I'll allow it. I like it. Good job. Thank you. I I had that thought earlier, and I was like, Jay will tell me if I'm crazy or not. <laughs> well, you are, just not because of this. I, I I feel like I've had a pretty good uh, run of hot takes on the show this evening. You, you're giving so. the explosion button a wear out. I mean, it's <laughs> I'm gonna have to have this one replaced. Yeah, I'm gonna have to call well, the good. You know people what? Until you get the cash register sound effect, I'm just gonna have to wear out the uh, hot take one. Well, you're doing a good job. We we have the alternate hot take. You know, that's Ooh. a little more scary though. Yeah, that's like ominous. Yeah, that's, that's like ominous. if we have a hot take that's. You know, a bad thing. Then we got. I this. think calling to Alex DeBrincat Patrick Sharp is a nice thing. You hit it right on the button there. there you well, go. you literally hit the button, but we're not going to get into that. No. Um, All right. So, so what are we? What are we thinking here, James? We got two against Carolina coming up next, and this is the weird thing about this team is they they play differently against every opponent. It's very very strange, and I never know what to expect. When the Hawks take the ice, because I feel like they play better, even if they don't win, they seem to play better against better teams. Like they come into the game more prepared, more mentally focused, more ready to go. Um, but after what I just saw in these two huge games against Nashville, eh, eh. I really I don't know what to expect over the next two games. I really don't. <sighs> Well, as you all know, I am a avowed Pat, uh, Carolina Hurricanes fan. It's uh, it's uh, not a secret. I love them. This series, to me, for the Blackhawks, this game, especially on Tuesday coming up, I know we've called a lot of games potentially their most important of the season. This really is gut check time for the Blackhawks on Tuesday. You've got a nationally televised game against a team that is one point behind Tampa Bay for the top spot in the Discover Card Central Division standings. They absolutely have to come out and play. They have to play well against Carolina. I don't want any more moral victories. I'm tired of Kevin Lankinen getting 45 saves and fluking them into a, you know, a victory. You're coming up to the trade deadline. You are coming up to two weeks from tomorrow. Honestly, the trade honestly crunch time in your season. If you can't defend home ice against a team that's going to make the playoffs, if you can't do that on this kind of stage with this kind of spotlight, you're not a playoff team. Nope. So this is gut check time for the Blackhawks. If you want to prove to anybody and to yourselves, most importantly, that you're serious about outdueling Dallas, Columbus, and um, Nashville. God, I almost blanked on the team they just freaking played. If you're serious about dueling with those teams, then you need to show up and play a good game on Tuesday night. If not, you're just the Red Wings with a fancier uniform and a few more points in the bank. Well, you gotta, you got to show us what you're made of in this series. You're right. It's make or break because, like I said, the trade deadline is two weeks from Monday. So it is uh, April 12th is the deadline. They've got six games 
between now and then. Two against Carolina, one against Nashville, two against Dallas, then one against Columbus, and then they play Columbus the night of the deadline. Yep. So that's a game that you can expect, probably, that the Hawks will be without a player or two that they may move from the roster. So that's when you'll have to take on shorthanded. Will Columbus do the same thing? Maybe, but it's something you also have to consider. So when you lose and you come out and lay eggs against Nashville, a team that you can hang with, allegedly, and should be able to beat, when you lose those, it makes those games against Carolina and Dallas and Florida and Tampa later in the year all that more important. You're supposed yeah. to make up your space when you're playing these lesser opponents. When you don't, all you're doing is putting more and more pressure on yourself. And James, you said it right, man. Like it's it's put up or shut up time because the the feel good stuff. Like I think we're past that, right? Like we're I, almost two thirds of the way into the season. Yeah. Like this is this really is put up or shut up time because coming up here after the Carolina series, all of those games, those five games are against teams that are either chasing you or tied with you in the standings. And if you can't make hay in those kind of games. You got no business being here on the big stage. That's all there is to it. You got to be as blunt as possible with that. It's pretty simple to me, man. I think you nailed it. You really did. We've got to wash the stink of this series off ourselves, and we're going to do that with phenomenal Dr. Squatch natural soap. Go to DrSquatch.com. Peruse the soap, the shampoo, the hair care products, the beard oils, the deodorant, the toothpaste, everything Dr. Squatch has is awesome. I use it exclusively in my bathroom and I pay for it. I am a customer, not just an endorser. Absolutely love Dr. Squatch. You will too. Go to drsquatch.com. When you're ready to check out, use that promo code madhouse20. You'll save 20% on your order and help the podcast at the same time, which we always appreciate it. Again, drsquatch.com, promo code madhouse20. That's going to do it for my partner, James Navo. My name is Jay Zawoski. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you very soon on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, Dr. Squatch, and by the Sins in Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.